Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brewing with BIM. As always, I'm Joe Whitney and with me is Dave Campbell. Today, we've got two great guests with us today. We've got Dave Bernard and Kate Kerwin from Unity. So excited to have you guys join us. Um, before we get started, we like to do this little fun thing because, you know, it's Brewing with BIM. We've got to have alcohol. What are you drinking? Uh, for me, I am sticking to coffee this morning, so it is uh, technically a brew because it is uh, at least I brewed it myself. <laughs> um, it, it's a small local shop coffee, so um, no alcohol today, but uh, at least I have a brew. Hey, yeah, I love a good brewed, brewed coffee. I mean, I, I, my, I myself, I'm a cold pr- or a, a, a French press or a cold brew kind of guy. I love the French press. Uh, especially when you get some local um, kind of beans, I I feel like the best flavor is usually brought out with a with a, a an actual French press. But yes, home coffee is awesome. Yeah, I actually use you know those little uh, Italian metallic espresso machines. I love those things. They they give out oh, some that's awesome. amazing results. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Dave, you said uh, it's morning where you are. Where are you located? Uh, not morning. It's actually the afternoon. It's 3 p.m. I am in Montreal. Ah, perfect, perfect. Sorry, I thought you said morning. Kate, are you drinking anything this morning or afternoon? <laughs> Whatever. I'm time. breaking all the rules, I'm afraid. So it's afternoon. It's lunchtime here. I'm in Vancouver, and I'm having Vancouver's finest tap water. It's my accompaniment. <laughs> hey, you know, that's something. <laughs> uh, good old tap. Uh, Dave, are you drinking anything uh, lovely over there? In Indiana? Oh, yeah, dude. Well, I am um, getting close to the end of the day over here, so I've got myself a uh, – I, I poured a Four Roses bourbon and decided to make myself kind of a fusion of a whiskey sour with a little bit of old-fashioned in there um, just because I, I ran out of uh, the whiskey sour mix that I was using, so I kind of had to improvise from there. But it works out. It works out pretty good. So I think Dave is the only one that is officially – doing the brewing part of brewing with BIM. You and I are doing the distilling with BIM. I'm on a, the whiskey kit myself. I'm drinking a little bit of a, a local whiskey here, Big Spring Spirits uh, Rye Whiskey. And uh, similar fashion as you, I'm doing a little seven and seven action, you know, uh, a little bit of a citrus with the with the whiskey. But, uh, you know, all, all things aside, man, let's jump into it, you know. Um, we don't want to leave our guests out because you and I are having all the fun. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> no, and, and especially because we got two awesome guests this week. I'm, I'm really excited to have you guys on. Um, you know, Unity has been known in, I mean, well, I want to say in society for a while, right? I mean, when I was growing up and, and even now, we see Unity a lot in so many different um, in ways, right? And uh, I guess this is, this is kind of cool to see you guys in the, the construction industry, and you know, with with working with BIM, working with architecture, um, the different pieces that you know come from those 
kind of AEC workflows. And I'm excited to kind of talk to you guys, see what you guys are doing, see what Unity's you know, doing these days and kind of just you know, nerd out with you guys <laughs> for a little bit. So if we can, can we get you guys to give us an introduction? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Unity. Sure. Uh, I'm going to start. My background is actually as a game developer. That's how I started my career. Um, so I was working with Unity, at least as a Unity developer, for at least five years uh, in games. So straight up game development. Um, after that, I actually joined Autodesk for a while. And that's kind of where I got my first exposure to BIM, to the AEC market, to everything that Autodesk was doing. And back then, Autodesk just acquired a game engine called Stingray. Uh, so I was working with that, and my mandate there was to actually bring, um, well, the Stingray technology into other markets. And that's kind of where I got this um, this incentive or this first exposure of, hey, maybe there's a lot more we can do with this technology, this gaming tech in outside of gaming. Uh, so when I joined Unity, it was kind of for the same purpose. It was trying to use Unity in other contexts. And obviously, architecture, construction, AEC in general was a big factor. Uh, today, I lead a small team of product managers in our digital twin um, organization at Unity. Yeah, and for my part, uh, my background is in architectural technology. I studied that in Ireland, that's where I grew up, and I moved to Canada about 12 years ago uh, to Vancouver, started working in architecture, and very quickly switched to construction when I realized I could get my hands on the tech that I wanted. I've always been a bit of a, a tech geek and couldn't do that in architecture at the time. So I uh, started working for PCL Construction in Vancouver as a construction modeling specialist. I was there for about four years, and then I was offered a job with Turner Construction in Vancouver to set up their Canadian BIM department. So I established that in Vancouver, Toronto, and some assistance to their sister companies. And uh, then I got the call from Unity saying, would you be interested in, in this position we have open where we're looking for construction specialists? Because I'm, I'm not a game person. My extent of my gaming is like The Sims. And so, <laughs> uh, I mean, I love the building part, but that was where I, I nerded out. That was my thing. Um, so just uh, trying to ha have something a bit different. My career has been very unexpected, um, but I came over a summer to David to try and improve things. So um, I wanted to have, take on the opportunity to try and make the software struggles easier on my fellow VDC managers. In a awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, it is. We, we, we chat about this all the time, like the path into BIM and VDC is often a misguided one, and it's one that you could never have planned in your wildest dreams. And it seems like you've kind of taken that to the next step. You got into the VDC BIM side and then like just flipped it on its head and went, went into the gaming side, which, well, you know, gaming-ish uh, for a gaming company. And that's amazing. Like, it's a remarkable journey. Like, this isn't uh, something you could teach at a college and say, this is how you get to be in this position. Like there's, there's just no linear path. Yeah, it's really, it's cool. I feel very, very lucky because I never saw myself heading this direction. I thought I'd be an architect and that's what I do. And I've had the benefit of working with some incredible people and working with some amazing products. Now. Yeah, but I, I, I think, you know, in all reality, when I look at it too, it, it makes so much sense when, 
we start looking at you know what BIM is, how it's evolving, how it can be used not only in the design portion but within the construction um, you know process itself, way into handover and how that data can be used. But I think you know, I mean, obviously there's there's so much to talk about here. But um, one of those big pieces, you know, we've seen video games have changed from, you know, when I was a kid, I used to love Madden, I used to love uh, Banjo-Kazooie, Star Fox 64, GoldenEye 007, you know, you name it. I was, I loved Aging those games. Self. Yeah. <laughs> we have all the same classics. <laughs> <laughs> I love those games. But you look from back then to how it's evolved, like how video games have evolved in the technology, right? And the love of video games, I think that, you know, that stems into to who we are as, you know, kind of people in, in the sense of, you know, finding the, the game or, or kind of what you enjoy doing in that sense, if you do enjoy gaming. But it's that visualization, right, that piece, I think that we have needed in our, not only architecture, because you talked about Stingray there, which was rendering. And when I first got into Revit in the industry, that's what was big was the marketing around, you know, the renderings of this building. We can show you, you know, what it looks like inside of your building, at least a picture of it, right? And that was that was pretty cool. But we know that it has to evolve and it has to change for today's industry, today's technology, the owners, these contractors or design firms, you know, and there's so many different pieces of the puzzle. And I think that it is a huge piece uh, of that is, is visualization, being able to see, you know, in, in so many different ways, not just for, let's, let's say, the, the value to the stakeholders, but for co uh, collaboration, for coordination, right? That's a huge piece of, of BIM, but also stemming back to what Kate was talking about with your background, BIM standards. I mean, the way that you model, the, the information, the data that you put into that model that is all very important. It, it is very, very important to know the difference also between a bloated model and a lean model or a complete model that's gonna be beneficial for you know, an owner versus um, the initial stages of construction. There's so many different, different ways that this BIM data, you know, that information in that model can be managed. I think you know, it's, it's a huge piece to talk about here um, with, with both of you guys on. Um, well, <laughs> go ahead, Joe, sorry. Real quick. I was going to say real quick, uh, Dave, Dave or Dave, either one, uh, Stingray, was that Revit Live? Uh, it was part of Revit Live. So Stingray was the underlying game uh, game engine or the technology that powered Revit Live. Uh, so essentially, yes. in other words, like Stingray was the rendering engine for Revit Live that included like physics, logic and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that being, it's funny that I talk about 007 in the beginning of this, but being in that, in Revit Live, utilizing the Stingray engine, it kind of made me feel like I was back in 007, but it was awesome <laughs> how you could, you know, you could walk through the model, you could, um, you could actually interact with pieces, like if you put things on the walls or, you know, anything like that, you could actually interact with those items. That was one of the first big pieces next to, oh gosh, what was that other one? that was in there for renderings. They, it was an add-in for Revit. Enscape, uh, I think it is. Yes, Enscape. It, it, was, it was really like Revit Live and Enscape were the, uh, like the, they, they paved kind of what we have today, right? They, they paved a lot of that. Well, to, well 
to a degree. Well, Unity, I, Unity's kind of gone leaps and bounds above everybody at this point. You guys oh, have some yeah. really cool stuff out there. I love seeing you guys at AU. I love seeing, well, I'm looking forward to an in-person year this year. Um, whenever I chat with people about visualization and all that stuff, Unity's at the top of the list. You guys are are putting out some really cool products right now. You're exciting and reinvigorating, um, I'd say, a segment that seems to be inundated with new technology. Uh, you know, construction, BIM, all that stuff. We're inundated with the technology, but it's not exciting technology. It's not like, you know, here's your video game. Go play with it. Uh, we did a podcast recently um, with a, a, a friend of a mutual friend of ours, Dana. Um, she uh, worked for another firm in the past. Well, they were just on another episode. And we we're chatting with the gentleman from that company. And his whole thing was, I'm only doing this because I get to play with video games all day. Like I get to play in headsets and and drones like this is just video games all day that's all i get to do and man, that's the exciting part you're making bim and construction and and all that stuff sexy again you're bringing sexy back guys thank you we do try we try <laughs> we, we <laughs> but that really do, we do and it really it does that tech does get people engaged it gets them interesting and it gets them involved so we need to leverage that it also allows people to use their models in different ways so you can spot the flaws in those models if they're not per perfectly built, but you can take advantage of those models if they're actually technically proficient and have the data in there that you need. Yeah, and I want to touch on, on the visualization part because it always starts from there. It's the sexy part. It's what people come to Unity for initially. It's what pe gets people engaged. But what we see after that is that there's so many use cases post just visualization that apply uh, real-time technology to. Uh, even if it's just something as you know, simple as a virtual meeting room, then you get into um, coordination phases, simulation for construction, and even further down the line into operations. Uh, at that point, visualization is just such a small aspect of it all. So it, it is very fun to see kind of that evolution and all the tech coming together in different use cases. It is, it is. But I think, you know, you definitely touched on a huge piece there. Um, it, it can be used in so many different ways, but of course um, it has, you have to figure out who's going to benefit from that. And, you know, there's been a buzzword in our industry and we've been, we actually talked about that, you know, pre-podcast where we were kind of, getting together there, it's, it's one of those bloated words, right? That digital twin. And a lot of people will tell you that a scan is a digital twin. Well, a scan, you know, and Joey and I, Joey and I, we talk about this quite a bit. Yes and no. Like it's, it's, a, it's essentially a picture in time. It is, it is, a scan is great, but a scan is only as good as the information that it has in it and if that it's it's being kept up to date, right? You know, in terms of when we talk about the handover, you talk about an owner trying to manage that facility and the assets that they have inside of that building, um, handing them a scan or handing them a, a BIM model that is LOD 250 or maybe 200 is not going to help them, you know, manage that facility. It's not going to, you know, uh, try really, I guess, enable them with the technology you know what i mean it kind of leaves a bad taste in their mouth at that point yeah i mean talking about digital twins and the the holy mother of all bloated words <laughs> it's kind of crazy um 
to, to your point, like we've spoken to people who consider even a Revit model a digital twin at that point. It's really crazy how far and wide people go with this term. Um, the way at least I like to think about it is that it has to somehow well, help you make sense of the data, right? There's just so much data in your model, not only BIM information, but then you have sensor data, analytics, simulation. Your digital twin has to be able to make sense of it all. And one of the things that we see from, let's say, Azure digital twins or whatever other, you know, BI dashboard that you have is that because it's only 2D, it's very hard to get the context around that data and to kind of wrap your head around it. So the, the 3D aspect of that is actually key, at least in our opinion, to to make informed decisions around the data that's in there. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. And I would also say, you know, the kind of um, Kate's background there, the data should be, you know, standardized in a way that it's beneficial for the company. Right. I, I actually just did a, a tech support case here a little while ago, helping a client um, figure out why their model was, you know, really slow. And to come to find out, there were just so many bloated like parameters, so many things in the model that weren't really beneficial to to them or to the owner that they were going to hand this over to. And when you really get down to it, it's it's finding that information and that process, that workflow that's going to be beneficial to the end user, essentially, in this case, the, the person that you're turning that data over to, right? And I, I think that in itself, a digital twin can be so many different things. You know, we say a Revit model, a, a digital a scan, a point cloud, you know. There, a I mean, 3D photo. I mean, there's yes. so many, yeah. There, which, in all reality, each of them have their value, right? But I think to David's point there, it's all about the information in that. And, and what you can pull from that if all you need is a picture great okay here you go if you want to be able to take measurements on it place comments cool that's all you need but if you need to actually be able to visualize this space that you have to be able to pull metadata from that look at the area the square footage the volume of the space you know different things like that that you really need to look at for your analysis i mean that that's really where you get into the the meat and potatoes of bim Right of actually in that information, that metadata, but again, it has to be kind of standardized. It it ha well, you have to set it up to make sense. Well, let's let's get out of the boring standard stuff real quick. I want to get to something that. Um, <laughs> sorry, man. Alcohol talking. No, you see this. I I want to talk about something that is kind of a little near and dear to my heart. I was working with a, a subcontractor uh, who obtained a license of Visual Live 3D um in the past and uh they saw the roi like they did a visual clash with it it was it was amazing um and it was like in its infancy and then it's only progressed and then fast forward you know you guys unity has you know bought it and i'm assuming it's under your digital twin umbrella there um you know where is the the you know i don't know how much you can share but where is the vision for this like this is such a cool powerful tool the the headset piece is amazing yes um, the the quick export out of the design applications, you know, again, we get bogged down in, oh, you got to go to 3ds Max, and then from 3ds Max, you got to push into this. It's like you have a one click from Revit. Like, it makes life so much easier. Where where, where are we going with this? Sorry, man, I had to get to the meat and potatoes. I, I, this it's the coolest part. 
you have the right person on the call, so I'll leave it to Kate. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is my second child, Visualize, <laughs> my digital child. Uh, so I am the technical product manager for Visualize, um, and it really is. It, I'm glad that you you had a good experience with it because it's such a great product. It's so helpful for construction. And obviously, as it comes under the NG umbrella, there are some benefits there. We're making some improvements to the UI. We're making it easier for our users to align their model and augmented reality in the real world. And um, the way we kind of see it with our technology and the visualized technology, marrying them together, the possibilities are endless for the capabilities we can bring to construction. So, um, you know, you might have seen there's AR markers that they have in Visual Live where you can scan them and bring your augmented reality model straight up essentially. You can see real life, see the BIM, see what's in space. That's also been brought over to reflect your view where they can benefit from that technology. And um, it's really just, uh, this is my, my head is buzzing now because I just want to dump everything on you. But needless to say, we're making some great improvements in the background and making it an easier process for our users to get the meat and potatoes of their models out in the field. Uh, the, the second part I want to touch on too, and this is where I usually geek out, is um, the the size of the models that you can bring into Visual Live in these applications. You mentioned that you were working, um, you know, with different contractors. They all have different BIM models, uh, BIM standards, and sometimes these model, models get, um, well, let's say, stu stupidly big. Uh, so. On the Unity front, actually, even before the Visual Live acquisition, we were working on a bunch of different technology that allow us to manage these models and stream them progressively in our applications. Uh, we are continuing to invest in those tech, uh, those type of technologies to make sure that we can support what we call, uh, I hope we can swear in here, uh, big ass models, <laughs> or you can bleep it out later. We drink alcohol, you can yes. swear on yeah, your that's it. Um, so making sure that we can support those types of models in both Reflect and Visual Live and every the single application that we're, we're going to be working on in the future is kind of a, a big task. Oh, it definitely is. I mean, Joey and I, we talked to, um, oh gosh, I think it was actually Lenovo, the podcast that we had with Lenovo. We had a conversation about the size of these models and the more data that we push into them, the bigger that they get. And the harder that that data is to utilize on something like a, a headset, you know, if you're trying to pull that down to a mobile device, that is insane. Like I had a, uh, oh gosh, do you, Joey, do you remember when I had that Surface Pro? The Surface Pro that I had, it was, it was a great, cool little, you know, tablet-like computer. But I started working with point clouds and these large Revit models. And it would get to the point where in some of these models I was working in, one link I had was four gigs. Another link I had was four gigs because this model was huge. And next thing I know, when I'm trying to bring all of this data in to see it, even just to visualize it within Revit, it'll crash. Like my computer crashes and we've seen yeah. this huge like push to for cloud computing, right? Because the size of these models, it's, it's insane. We're, we've been having trouble keeping up in the, with the hardware. But if you can find a way to translate that data and make it, oh, that's, that, I mean, honestly, that's that's awesome and very, very exciting. Your, very, your, very exciting to hear. Your your Surface Pro was the top of the line, too. The issue uh, is, you know, at the end of the day, you get to 100 gigabytes of files. There's no amount of tech you're going to throw at that. 
I mean, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The cloud software compression algorithms, all that's got to come into play um, to, to make your life a little bit easier. Um, you know, that said though, I I want to get back to the visual live piece. How many how many products are under the digital your digital twin um, component of you know this branch that you guys are forming? Uh, we have quite a few. We have Visual Life that was an acquisition. We have a couple more acquisitions. So Pixies, that's P-I-X-Y-Z, that uh, is under Digital Twins. We have REST AR, that is a scanning technology that we acquired last year. Uh, we have Reflect Review, Reflect Develop, that are both homegrown. Uh, they are essentially a design review tool as well as the developer component for that. And the last one, um, well, not the last one. We have Forma that is more geared towards e-commerce. And we have uh, some other ones like our HMI solution that is meant to make like um, human machine interfaces for, for cars, digital twins, and that kind of stuff. I hope I didn't miss one. I think well, that, was, that was quite a bit. I, 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 feel like, I feel like you got them all. There's a lot. Uh, REST AR is one that's been around for a while. It was like a mobile app, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't heard of Pixie, but I'm going to do some some homework on that one. Uh, which one, if you had to pick a favorite, which one is your, I mean, obviously, Capes is going to be Visual Live. Uh, Dave, which one's your baby, man? Just go ahead and spill it. Oh, well, Reflect is my baby. And uh, because I, I am a big, big geek, I do like Reflect Develop because it allows you to kind of make your own version of Reflect Review. I, I love that thing. <laughs> well, isn't that what Unity is kind of known for, is like make your own game, like allowing people to to be their own creator? Because I, I, if I'm not mistaken, like I remember uh, working with a colleague years back and he was like, you know, hey, look at this, I'm making a video game and I can skin other games and check this out. And I was just like, oh, cool, man. I have no idea what you're doing. I don't. <laughs> Unity lets me do all this stuff. Yeah, like it's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty much the essence of it. And we were playing on that concept with Reflect Develop, at least, to make sure that at least in AEC, there's an easier way to make an application. Uh, like I said, the biggest problem for like most of our customers was just these models that were not meant for real-time rendering. So the first part of Reflect, uh, the Reflect platform was to make sure that we have a way to translate those models into something that's workable. Oh, that, yeah, that fits. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of hard. Like, so you render, like, you know, historically we throw up a, a model we think about and we render it and it's got everything in it. Um, you know, all of the the materials, all the finishes, but it's a big model to begin with. Um, I guess if you're figuring out a way to pare that down and, and make that more manageable and working with those large models, you're, you're not only saving people, you know, time, you're, you're saving them valuable computer space. Like, I, I can't tell you how much how many hard, external hard drives I've got three terabytes full and it just ends up being bloated. So thank you guys. Thank you guys for your service. <laughs> More than a pleasure, I guess <laughs> it's our livelihood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True, true. Uh, well, you, I mean, Dave and I get to geek out about a lot of technology. We, you know, we like to play with all the fun toys. Uh, Dave is uh, in the trenches more than most these days. Um, and he gets to play with some of the latest and greatest stuff. But uh, whenever we come across somebody who's got, you know, I don't know how else to say it, a sexy application like Unity has, um, it's, I don't know, it's it's fun. Um, I love getting into Visual Live and 
it's been a year and a half, but it's time for me to get back into it and see what you guys have done. I'm excited. I'm sure Kate can give me like the the 401 like details. Check out this new feature. Check out this and and uh, you know this has changed, has moved, but um, I don't know. I I love what you guys are doing. Thank you. Yeah, we've made a lot of improvements and uh, they're just getting bigger and better. There's some new new features coming out that are adjacent to the existing ones. They're going to make life a lot easier for our customers and more accessible too, which I'm incredibly excited about. And unfortunately, can say very little about. So I apologize. <laughs> oh, which means we'll have to have you come back out in a few months when when things are released and you're not under an internal NDA and you can get get speaking again. Sounds good. You will have a very hard time shutting me up at that point, I think. <laughs> oh, that's that's fine. We're happy to let you run. You, we'll just uh, turn on the 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 podcast, hit record, and let you go. <laughs> Ten hours later, I'm still talking. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I know you've been playing a lot with uh, point clouds in a different format. You do a lot of stuff with Scanda BIM these days. Um, have you had a chance to? Uh, I don't know you know, try out any various cloud tools? I mean, I've had a chance here and there. Oh, I, I had to specify Dave Kemp, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, wait, wait. Um, no, I, I've, I've, you know, I've seen the benefit of the scan to BIM workflow. I've seen the benefit of, you know, a point cloud itself. We've also seen the cons of the point clouds and just the size of these things. Um, you know, the, the benefit of, you know, lately the ACC giving us the capability to visualize, right? Which visualizing a point cloud is only one piece. Um, and the benefits that I've seen being able to actually tag things, being able to, you know, um, like actually uh, reference certain items such as a pump to, you know, an actual item in Revit or Navisworks or, a set, uh, oh gosh, Inventor, you know, what what have you. Being able to actually tie that to, something that has more data into it, making it, you know, more, more than just a picture, right? Because again, the way we've, we've seen it, um, a picture is worth a thousand words. You've, but... you've been playing with it at a consumer level as well. Like your, oh, yeah. your iPhone, for instance, right? Like where you've been capturing stuff. Um, oh, yeah. have you, I use, I use Pix4D there for a while to, uh, you know, I was, I was so excited when I first saw it. To be able to capture a you know a scan with my with my phone, I actually have a a '69 Mustang that I'm restoring currently, and trying to figure out how to do me measurements for my dash, trying to figure out how I would mold something in there um, for the interior of the car because I, I want to do a uh, like a resto mod, and being able to collect that data with my cell phone, I mean, geez, it, it makes it. So much easier. And Joey, we've talked about this being, you know, back to Kate's point of being able to get people into it, to get people to passionate, you know, nerding out with this technology because it's just so cool. If you can put it at the consumer level or make it to that ease of use to where even that somebody that does has no construction knowledge knows how to utilize this tool and it's cool, at that point, you're empowering everyone. Right. You're, you're making well, that technology awesome and getting people involved with it at a younger point or sooner point. And even yeah. at that, you know, I could go for I could go for days at this. Time. Sorry. Well, I, I no, no. And I, I bring it up exactly for that. I know how passionate you are about it. And I bring it up for that, that, one, you know, that specific use case, the ability to consumerize point clouds so that they get put in people's hands. Right. So that 
more people are familiar with how they work. Um, and I was thinking, you know, you're doing your Mustang. I don't know if the Rest AR app is still available for um, commercial use or if it's just moved to the retail side of things. But if you see it on there, man, give it a try and uh, go around your Mustang with it. I think it'll be a, a pretty fun thing for you to play around with. Yeah, I'll have to, man. I'll have to check that out. I'm always looking for stuff to try and help me scan my car. <laughs> Any excuse to play with the car. <laughs> exactly. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I like that you bring up uh, point clouds because there is one problem that is still not solved today with point clouds, uh, especially for large scale ones, which is segmentation. You mentioned a lot of people will start tagging things individually in the point clouds, uh, but that is still a very, very manual process. And when we're talking about the kind of point clouds that you see, you know, on a construction site that you're trying to get daily, that just doesn't scale. It's not feasible to do anymore. So segmentation and automatic segmentation of the point cloud for, um, I'm just dropping the buzzwords for automatic identi semantic identification is just like such a huge problem. And once that can be solved, like that's a holy grail. <laughs> I definitely agree. I definitely agree. We've been using that in the design side for, you know, a while in itself. If you think about like scope boxes and things like that, ways to break down these complex projects into specific views. If we can start doing that with these very, you know, these very complex point clouds, that would be a huge benefit, especially with navigating them. If you're trying to navigate this point cloud. I mean, even if you're trying to jump from, let's say, the, the scan location where you get into your bubble, right, the real view. Even if you're trying to jump real view to real view, it's hard to know where you are inside of that scan project. It's re it really is. So if you can make it easier to navigate through for anybody, you know, and that's you know, it's it's one thing we've been talking about this past year as well is the user experience. You know, making that user experience easy, seamless. That is how you know you get that adoption. It, once you can make it usable for anybody. And, and very easy to get to, very easy to navigate through. You get that quick adoption of where, yes, yeah, so let's do it. Well, everybody like thinks of technology. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, luckily, we have a very large and competent UX team at Unity, which is another benefit of acquiring like tools like Visual Live. Uh, we can then have our UX team kind of just go all out on them. And uh, like Kate said, when, once we do that, we'll we'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's there's definitely a science to making programs look useful easy to navigate um and 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 you know roll out improvements without uh, um frustrating users which we've seen in technology all the time somebody pushes out a new update you're like oh the button's moved and i don't i don't know but uh unity seems to i don't know you 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 almost seem like you're an architecture firm for software, if that makes sense. Like you, you have a culture of like the aesthetics and everything has to fit in a certain way yeah. and make sense for users. You're almost, dare I say it, the Apple uh, of, of this, this, this genre. It's, it's awesome. Well, not many people know this, but is, there is such a thing as software architecture. <laughs> so yeah, definitely a big part of it is software architecture and that, that entire narrative. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I really want to thank each of you for coming on and telling us about yourselves, telling us about Unity. I mean, I know I could keep talking for hours, and I can't wait 
to have you guys on again after the release, uh, Kate and Dave. It'd be awesome to talk with you guys and let you guys just run with it. Honestly, I'm, I'm excited to hear more about it. I'm excited to see it. Um, I, again, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to sharing more in the future. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having us on.